Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. Good morning, guys. It's good to be with you this morning. I hear that my brother was here last week and taught. (laughs) That is a true story. Uh, Buzz and I uh, used the same CrossFit gym. And this guy had walked in one day, and, and uh, he's, he kept looking at me. And then finally he came over and he said, do you have a relative that works out here? And I, I said, sure, yeah, I do. Buzzy, is that who you're talking about? He said, yeah, 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 I thought you looked just like him. And so he talks to Buzzy a week or so later, and he says, hey, man, I met your brother, which was really hard for Buzz, but it really boosted my confidence. So um, it really is great to be here with you. I've known about branches for a long time. I've attended branches when it was down at Dana Port Harbor, and, and I'm glad I looked up online where it was at today, because I was thinking I was going to go down to the harbor and uh, spend time there, but here we are. Um, I understand that Boogie and Buzzy taught on friendship last week, and they used as examples David and Jonathan. And I don't know if you know this or not, but David and Jonathan taught you about David and Jonathan. See, Buzzy's real name is Jonathan Edwards. Do you know what Boogie's real name is? Eric David. So Jonathan and David taught you about Jonathan and David last week. The two of them. Uh, I, I asked Buzzy, I said, hey man, what's Boogie's real name? He said, you know dad, I don't know. I don't know what his real name is, so I, I called Boogie, and he was, he was willing to give that to me. So I just want you to know I'm glad to be here. I don't have any hooker stories. <laughs> and for those of you who were not here last week, you can look it up and listen to it online. Uh, but I do know that my son will do anything for a good story, and so he's, he's got a lot of them. I want to talk to you this morning, but before I get to the scripture, I want to ask you a question to kind of get us in context of what I want to talk about this morning. And the question is this. Have you ever been going through life and you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing, you're being who you're supposed to be, and then the bottom just falls out? In a moment, everything changes. I don't know if that's happened to you. It certainly happened to me. And, and, and actually, I do know it's happened to you. It's either happened to you, it's happening to you, or it's in the mail. It's going to happen. Life is like that. We, we're going through these times in our life that, that it seems like everything's going right, and we're doing the right things, and then for some reason, something happens, and just the bottom just falls out of our world. And it's during those times that we get confused, we want to run away, we want to go as far away from God as we, as we can, and it's actually during those times that we should run as fast as we can toward God and His Word. And, and there was one of these times in my life that I'll tell you a little bit more towards the end of my message, but I'll set it up with this, that there was this time in my life that I was very confused. I knew something was going wrong. But I didn't know what it was. And, and every time I would go and say, Lord, what is it that's, 
that is going on that I just don't seem to be able to understand, he would put these words in my mind and in my heart. The truth will find them out. And I would, I would want to scream back to the sky, what truth and find out who. But when I would say those words, the truth will find them out, it would be like I'd just be bathed in peace. Now, nothing had changed. Nothing had changed in the situation, the circumstances of my life. Nothing had changed, but I would just be at peace by just saying the words, the truth will find them out. And it was a few months later, and I'm sure I had read this verse many times, but I'd never really read this verse. It was in Proverbs. If you have your Bibles, you might look at Proverbs chapter 10, verse 9. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 9 says, Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever follows perverse ways will be found out. Trust me, this is a verse worth memorizing. A lot of people say, ah, I can't memorize scripture. That one's worth writing down and memorizing because during those times when the bottom falls out of our world, our life, whether it's for a week or a month or a year or longer, that's a, a verse that is worth having in your mind and in your heart to remind you what you're supposed to do during difficult times. Walk in integrity. That's our job. That's what God calls us to do, to be people of integrity and to walk in integrity. And so it was during these times that, that you know, during this particular time that I felt like I am supposed to do something, be something, but I don't understand what it is other than walk in integrity. Now, integrity is not one of those things that we're born with. None of us were born with integrity. It develops over time. Integrity develops in our life as we face different situations in our life that have the potential to break us, but if we weather them, if we work through it, we come out on the other side stronger, and the more often that we do this, we find ourselves maybe at some point in our life being a person of integrity. I, I said I, I visited your church when you were down to the harbor. I have a boat down to the harbor. I love to sail. And when I first started sailing, um, I was scared to death. If I, if I went and the flag was even waving, it's like, well, it looks like it's too windy to go out today. I, I don't think we should go out. And there's a saying in sailing. If anybody here is a sailor, you know this saying. No one learns to sail in calm seas. You learn to sail when the wind's blowing, when you bury the rail, when, when it looks like the boat's going to, you know, it's healing and it's about, it looks like it's going to turn over, fall to the side. That's where you learn to sail. You go out and it's just a gentle breeze. You're not going to really learn much. But it's during those difficult times that today, when I go down to the harbor and they say, hey, there's small craft advisories, I get a little smile on my face. Now, my wife is freaking out. We're not going out today. But something about rough seas and wind blowing kind of excites my heart now because I've learned to sail. Life is like that. We have storms in our life that when we're in the midst of it, all we want to do is pull back and get as far away from it as we can. But as we go through them and weather those storms, we'll find ourselves on the other end of it being stronger, 
understanding more about ourselves, understanding what we need to do during the storms of our life, and at some point, find ourselves having integrity. Now, integrity is defined, and it should be up on, on the screen, the, the definition of integrity is the quality or state of being complete and undivided. The scripture that was read this morning from James talks about that divided mind, that double-minded man. When we're complete and undivided, we don't sway when the circumstances of life hit us. We're the same. We're complete. We don't have to say, wow, this is a hard one. Maybe I'm going to go over this direction. We stay the same. And when we face those storms in our life long enough, many of them, at some point we come out on the other end and we have integrity. Now there's synonyms that, that talk about integrity, character, goodness, honesty, morality, righteousness. You think of a person in your life that you would say, this person has integrity, and I'll guarantee you those characteristics will be in his life or her life. They have character. They're honest. They're moral. They're righteous. They're good people. This morning, I want to talk to you about a man in the scriptures that I believe has integrity. It's the, the guy's name is Joseph. If you want to follow along in your scriptures, it's in Genesis chapter 39. And I'm going to read verse 1 through 6 to start with. And, and I want you to think of that definition, think of those synonyms, and see how these things fit in Joseph's life as we go through it. It says, Now Joseph was taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him from the Ishmaelites, who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, Joseph, and he became success, a successful man. He was in the house of his Egyptian master, and his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended to him. He made him overseer of his house and, made, and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in the house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge and with him there, he had no concern for anything but the food that he ate. Now, sure, you probably know this story, but let me do a little recap of Joseph's life. Joseph had these dreams. He was a dreamer. And, he, and these dreams were from God. He shared his dreams with his brothers that they would one day bow down to him. Now, he's the younger so the olders were not going to bow down to the younger. It didn't work like that. So when he told him this dream, his brothers hated him. Now his dad loved him a lot, and his dad bought him this really cool coat of many colors. And every time he would wear that coat, his brothers would see him wearing that, cape, that coat, and they would absolutely hate him. His dad sends him out to go find his brothers who are out you know, tending the flocks, and Joseph goes out and finds him, and then when they see him coming, they plotted in their hearts that they wanted to kill him. They really hated Joseph. Then they decided to make a little money on the side. Rather than kill him, they would sell him into slavery. 
to the Ishmaelites who took him down to Egypt. Now, Joseph really has done nothing wrong. The dreams that he was given were from God, and he just told him his dreams. His dad loved him and gave him this special coat. That's great. His dad sent him out to just check on his brothers. He was doing all that he was supposed to do. Sometimes when we're doing the right thing, the thing that we're supposed to do, the consequences don't necessarily fall into place the way we think that they should. So now, follow from verse 6, 6 through 10. It says, now, now Joseph was handsome and good looking. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, with me here, my master has no concern about anything in the house. And he's put, has put everything that he has in my hand. He's not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept anything from me except yourself, because you're his wife. How then could I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And although she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not consent to lie with her or be with her. Here you see Joseph being this man of integrity. He's He's in this place. He's been displaced. This woman comes on to him, and he doesn't give in. And the thing that you need to see here is that one verse where it says that she came on to him day after day after day. Sometimes when you and I face temptations in our life, and I always define temptation as temptation is the illegitimate meeting of a legitimate need. Think about that for just a second. Think about the things that tempt you. And probably there's a legitimate need in there some way. But see, we have an enemy who's always going to give us a counterfeit way to, to meet our legitimate needs. Now, Joseph says, it says he was handsome and good looking, and this woman was very attracted to him. She came on to him day after day after day, and he resisted. There is a man of integrity. He's honest, he's moral, he's righteous, he has character. So it, he didn't give in to that. But, but you can almost sense that the bottom's about to fall out again in this story. Now look at verse 11. One day, however, he went into the house to do his work. And while no one else was in the house, she caught hold of his garment and said, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled outside. When she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled outside, she called out to the members of her household and said to them, See, my husband has brought among us a Hebrew to insult us. He came in to me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And when he heard me raise my voice and cry out, he left his garment beside me and fled outside. Then she kept his garment by her until his master came home. And she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant, whom you have brought among us, came in to insult me. But as soon as I raised my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled outside. When his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, saying, this is the way your servant treated me, he became enraged, and Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he remained there in prison. He's not doing anything wrong. He's actually doing everything right. 
But the bottom falls out for him again. He finds himself in prison. And he's done nothing, nothing wrong. He walks in goodness, righteousness, morality, and honesty. So, what do you do when the bottom falls out in your life? Because as I said a minute ago, you're either in one of those situations, you just got through one of those situations, or it's in the mail and it's coming. We all face those things in our life, those, those situations in our life where we're doing the right things, we're being good people, we're, and out of nowhere, in a moment, the bottom just falls out of our life. I've been married to Buzzy's mom, or sister. If you saw her, you'd think she was his sister. For 49 years, and in that 49 years, we have moved a lot. A lot. And I would love to tell you that every time we moved, it was bathed in prayer. We really considered all the options, but that would be a complete, absolute lie. We moved many times because it sounded exciting. It sounded fun. We were, we were living in South Carolina, and Marty's parents from Northern California we were in a conversation with them on the phone, and he was building a cabin, the cabin that Boogie went and visited. He was building this cabin outside of Yosemite. And uh, somewhere in the conversation, they said, wow, I wish you guys lived closer. You could help us with the cabin. Now, it was, it was one sentence. They just spoke it out. We're in South Carolina. They're in Northern California. We hang up the phone, and within five minutes, we had called a friend of ours that worked for the airlines and said, hey, can you come fly the kids back to California? We're going to move back to Northern California. Now, I had no job. I had no money. I didn't have a plan. It's just like, hey, they need help building the cabin. Let's, let's go help them. Can you imagine if, if, you're, if you're parents of adult children, you make a statement, and then a week later, your kid pulls up with a U-Haul trailer, Hey, we're here to help you. <laughs> and you think, what did I say to make this happen? So we've moved many times for the, all the wrong reasons, but there was this one move that was bathed in prayer. We were living up in Northern California. I, I'm also a licensed marriage family ch uh, child therapist, and I had a private practice. I had just finished my... 3,000 supervised hours, I had taken that written test and that oral test and it passed and I finally had a private practice. I worked four days a week. I had a three-day weekend every weekend. I had a waiting list of people that wanted to see me. I had finally arrived and we came down to Southern California on a vacation to see Marty's sister and her husband and we visited the church that they were attending and the pastor really liked really liked me and he, before we left he said hey I'd love to offer you a job and I said man I got a great thing going up in Northern California I am not going to walk away from this uh, so no thank you about three months later he calls me again and he said hey listen every time I pray about this position your faith comes up he said would you consider moving down here 
He said, well, I, I don't know if God's in this or not, so I'll pray about it, I'll talk to my family about it, and we'll see what happens. Now, at that time, my daughter was 14, Buzzy was about 12, 13, probably 12. And when we made decisions as they got older, we included them in the decisions. So we had a little family meeting. We set them down, and I said, hey, this pastor from Southern California has called and asked if, if we would consider coming down and being on his staff. And if any of you have 14-year-olds, especially females, you, you will understand this. My daughter stood up. She pointed her finger at me and said, Dad! You cannot move us. Went upstairs, slammed her door, locked her door, and it was the first time that I had been home for a night where I was in town that I did not get a good night kiss from my daughter. I called the pastor up the next day and I said, hey, we're not coming. I, I don't think it's right. And we were done with it. About six months later, he calls me back. He says, listen, man, you really have to consider coming down here. He said, every time I pray about this, I just see your face. I said, all right, I'm going to put this to bed. I'm going to put a list of things together, and if God answers all those things, then we'll talk. So I think I had about 10 things on the list. Number 10 was change Jenny's heart. Jen's my daughter, Buzzy's sister. Because... I, I'm not much for fleece, you know, putting this thing out and saying, God, if you do this, then I'll know. But I did. I, I put this list of things. One of them was how much money I make. So I called the guy up and I said, hey, how much does this job pay? And he says, no, how much do you want? And I said, wrong answer. How much are you paying for this job? And he told me, and it's like, okay, click. So everything on the list got checked off. Except for change Jen's heart. So we called another family meeting, had him sit down, remember that church, and we're waiting for the finger wave, and I said they contacted us again, and they, they'd really like for us to come down and be a part of this church, I'm waiting for Jenny to erupt, and she says this, where would we live? I said, well, that would be part of the reason for going down there, well, where would I go to school? Well, I'd find that out when I went down there. And then she said this. Well, Dad, if God's calling you, he's calling all of us because we're a family. Check. Now, I got a question and I need you to respond. Do you think it was God's will for me to move to Southern California and be a part of this church? Yes or no? Yes. Yeah, I mean... Everything on the list got checked off without me manipulating a thing. And changed Jen's heart in six months. It went from, you can't, to we're a family. So it was, I was walking smack dab in the middle of what I would say was God's will for my life. I got down to this church. And after about three or four months, something wasn't right. I couldn't put my finger on what it was, but something wasn't right. And every time I would pray about it and say, God, what's going on here? He would say, the truth will find them out. Remember? 
And so I'm, I'm watching this situation and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about all the things that are happening and, and I can't put my finger on what it is. The truth will find them out. Then that proverb, Proverb 10, 9, he who walks in integrity, walks securely, he who perverts his ways will be found out. Well, long story short, pastor, I found out, was having affairs with women in the church. When I found that out, I went straight back up to Northern California to spend some time with my old accountability partner and my old therapist. Those are two things that are very important in all of our lives. I believe everybody, men and women, need to have somebody in your life that you're accountable to, somebody that you can be open and completely honest with. And I also believe that most of us need therapy. Uh, because no matter how you were raised, my wife was raised with Warden June Cleaver, and that dates me because most of you don't even know, remember Leave it to Beaver, but she was raised in that family. I was raised by two alcoholics. She's as messed up as I am. They just covered it up and made it pretty. So I believe that. So I went up to Northern California. I sat down with my, my old accountability partner. I told him the story. I said, what do you think I should do? He said, Gary, you need to go back and you need to confront this sin. You have to do that. And then he told me something else. So I go visit my old therapist, and I sit down with my old therapist, and I say, hey, listen, this situation, what do you think I should do? And he says, well, Gary, you have to go back and confront this sin. And then he said the exact same thing that my accountability partner said. He said, and when you confront it, they're going to fire you. And I said, they're not going to fire me. I'm Pastor Gary. Everybody loves Pastor Gary. They're not going to fire me. I came back. I confronted it. The pastor left town in the middle of the night, and two weeks later I got fired. Fired for doing the right thing. The bottom fell completely out. Now, a minute ago I asked you, was I in the middle of God's will? And your answer was, yes, I was. You can imagine my confusion. It's like, hey, God, didn't you bring me down here? You know, I mean, what's this? All of a sudden, I'm, I don't have a job. Now, remember, I'm a therapist, so I open up a counseling office a mile from the church. What do you think I call the counseling office? Integrity counseling. <laughs> I, I sit down with my family. I tell them, I still remember. I can close my eyes. I can see it. They're on this ugly green plaid couch that my wife picked out. I, can, I really can. And here's little little 13-year-old Buzzy, and here's little 15, 16-year-old Jenny and my wife, and I, I said, look at me. Look at me. I will never, never, never be a pastor again. Never. Let me repeat that. Make sure you got it clear. God, listen up. I will never, never, never be a pastor again. Nobody's ever going to have that kind of authority over me that I can get fired for doing the right thing. Now, 
Buzzy came up to me about a week later, and he said, hey, Dad, I love God. I don't like his people. I'm done with church. His sister, Jen, said, I'm with him. My wife was in nursing school at the time, and she said, I volunteer to work weekends every weekend. I wish I had the time to go into detail and tell you all the ways that God restored that situation. The, the new pastor that was coming in to take over this church about nine months later calls my counseling office and said, hey, can I make a, an appointment with you? I don't need therapy. Just want to pay for an hour of your time. And I said, okay, bring cash. Because if you're only coming for one time, I want to make sure that I get my, my pay. You know? So he comes in, and I said, okay, you don't need therapy. Why are you here? And he says, well, I understand you know everything there is to know about this church, the church I got fired from. I said, okay, now God had told me, do not defend yourself. Do not defend yourself. When this whole thing came down, I wanted to stand up and declare, how dare you fire me, you know. God said, don't defend yourself. I'm your defender. You just keep your mouth quiet. So I told him, I said, listen, I'm not here to smash anybody. I'll just tell you the truth of what happened. And I told him the story, and he listened. And then he said this. He said, if I come to this church, they have agreed that I can have a consultant for six months, my first six months here, to help me navigate all the things that can happen in this church. Would you be my consultant? And I just laughed at him because the same board that had fired me was the same board that was on board that was going to now hire this guy. So I laughed and I said, there is no way in the world this board's going to let you hire me. He said, that's not your problem. If, they, if I take this church, will you be my consultant? I said, sure, absolutely. So he goes back to his board and says, hey, I've decided I'm going to take the church, but I do want to hire a consultant for six months, and they all agreed, no problem. He said, I want to hire Gary Emmons. And they all just went ballistic. And this man said, you either get your sin right or you need to resign from this board if you want me to be your pastor because this man did nothing wrong. I had six breakfast and lunch meetings the next week where each one of these board members came and said, I wanted to hurt you because of what you did. I wanted to destroy you because you took away our beloved pastor. Will you forgive me? Because see, they said it was financial, even though there was a couple in the church that were well off, and they said, hey, we'll pay his salary for a year. Don't fire him. And they said, nope. So I ended up being this guy's consultant. Now, what you need to see from this is that when we are going through life and the bottom falls out, God's in control. He's got it. It, doesn't, it might not seem like it, you know, but he's got it. God redeemed my name in that community. Here's another thing. Probably five or six years later, Buzzy, the one that said, like church, done, done uh, like God, done with church, he ended up being the youth pastor 
for that church. And his sister ended up going with him. Now, talk about redeeming a situation. The very situation that caused him to say, love God, done with church. And now he's back in church. And not only that, he's leading, he's getting paid from the church to lead you. My wife and I planted a church 22 years ago where Boogie and Buzzy are teaching this morning called the Lamb's Fellowship. And I, and I believe that when we shake our fist towards heaven and say, I will never, 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 I believe God just sits there and says, isn't that cute? <laughs> Look at him. His face is all red. He thinks he knows what he, and never, never, never. I think when we tell God we're never going to do something, it becomes number one on the list of what's next. So those of you who are in that position, just be quiet. Don't, don't go there. Because the truth is, I found out years later that the guy that I replaced in that position knew about the affair. But he couldn't deal with it, so he just resigned. And I believe God is always looking to put us in positions where he says, well, I need somebody to go, yeah, oh, let's send Gary. He'll move anywhere. Let's take him and put him down there. Because the truth is, God knew that I would deal with it. Now, it cost me greatly, but he redeems that. He always does. He's that good of a God, even though in the midst of the bottom falling out, we feel like he's forgotten our name, where we live, that we're even alive, but he's with you in the midst of that bottom falling out. And he's got a plan for you. So, Buzzy comes back, Jenny comes back. Today, the church that my wife and I planted 22 years ago, Buzzy is now the lead pastor of that church. And his sister, Jen, is on his staff. God has this incredible way of redeeming the things that we look like are just a mess and bringing it to completion. Now, hindsight's perfect. We all, we all know that. We all say that. I can look back and I can tell you that story and you can see the redemptive value of what looked like chaos and God brought it back to completion. But in the midst of it, we don't see it. Some of you are in the midst of it and you don't see it. But hear me. God is with you. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you're needing. And if you're willing to be a person of integrity and stand steady, one day you'll be able to look back over your shoulder and say, oh, I remember the day that, I remember when I told my family, I remember, God wants to redeem what the enemy has for destruction and loss. And he'll do that work. I wasn't, I wasn't done being a pastor of a church, except Buzzy was on my staff. And he'd walk in, and you can see this since you saw him last week. Dad, Dad, you know what we need to do? Here, and he would lay out all this vision and plan. And he'd leave my office 10 minutes later, and I'd be exhausted and think, God, I'm not going to do that. What do I do? And I believe God said, step aside. So four years ago, I resigned, quote-unquote retired, and now Buzzy's leading the church and has taken it to a place that I never would have been able to take it. Never would have gotten there under my leadership. 
didn't make sense, makes perfect sense today. So I want to continue my story for just a minute. I think I've got a few more minutes. Genesis chapter 50, verses 18. This is, this is the completion now. His brothers have come down to Egypt. They've met with Joseph. This whole story of his younger brother and bringing him down. Now imagine, this is your brother that you, you have sold into slavery, and now you realize that's him. Verse 18 says, Then his brothers also wept. They fell down before him and said, We are here as your slaves. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Even though you intended to do harm to me, God intended it for good in order to preserve a numerous people as he's doing today. What you need to remember is that no matter what it is that you're facing, no matter how severe the bottom of your life falling out is, God is in the middle of it. And he's got a plan for it. He's got a plan for your life. And you might, you'll do what a lot of people do. We always compare ourselves with other people and say, oh, well, he may have a plan for this person, but he doesn't have a plan for me. God's got a plan for you. He needs all of us. And he's uniquely gifted you and placed you in a situation where you live, where you work, where you, where you congregate with people, where he can use you in a way that he could never use me. He's got a plan for your life. And even when the bottom of it falls out, God is in the middle of it. Now, there's one thing that I've learned in my 40-something years of ministry. When the bottom falls out, do not ask the question, why? Why is this happening? Why now? Why me? I, I don't believe the question why God answers very often. The better question is what? God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to be? What do you want me to learn from this situation? God always answers those questions. Because he wants us to mature. He wants us to get through this storm. He wants us to, to pick up the pieces from the bottom falling out. And when we're saying what, he'll always answer those questions. And one of the answers that he will always give when we're asking the question what is walk in integrity. Be a person of integrity. Be moral. Be righteous. Be honest. When we're doing our role, then it opens up everything for God to do what we can't do. The one thing that we can do, though, is walk in integrity and be people of integrity. Let me pray. I'll invite the worship team to come back up. Father, thank you for this opportunity this morning to share with these people, and I pray, God, that that something that was said this morning connected. God, you know where each person's at, and I have no clue, and that's a great thing. But wherever we're at, whatever we're facing, whether, whether we're in the midst of a bottom-falling-out moment or we just finished it up or it's coming, I pray that something of the words that were spoken this morning, the story of Joseph, my own story, 
that you'll, you'll use that, God, to, to help us navigate through this. No matter how big the storm seems, that, that you'll give us everything that we need to get through it. Father, throughout this story that we read, it says that you were with Joseph. You protected him. You gave him favor. God, may we see that you feel the exact same way about us. You'll protect us in the midst of the storm. You'll give us favor in those situations where we need it. And as we navigate those things, God, you will bless them. You'll be in the midst of them. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you for this group, and I pray your blessing over them. As they continue to live lives that will honor you, and I pray this in the powerful, holy name of Jesus. Amen. Hi there. So I got canceled for last week. Apparently they had something going on. Um, so here I am this week. Got the text uh, Friday. Nisa hit me up, so here I am. And... Um, I identify with a lot of the message, um, like the bottom falls out or things happen in life and we're like, why? You know, the wrong question. I mean, a life of faith, I guess we're allowed to question, but it's a life of faith, so get on with it, all right? Um, I, I see people like fall away. I, I hear of like tragedies in life and people like have these moments or faith crisis moment, crisis moments where they just abandon their faith because something happened. And I, it, I don't, I don't understand that. I mean, fortunately, I guess I'll just put it out there. Maybe nothing tragic enough has happened in my life. And I'm fortunate that way. But I look at my life, and I got some pretty jacked up things that have happened, and I don't question why. I just understand that it's my job to represent Christ and to continue on. And so when something terrible happens, is God still God, or does he just stop being God because something bad happened? Like if God's God, then deal with it, right? And I don't mean to be condescending or, or minimize your pain because your pain is valid. And someone's tragedy may be someone else's not so tragic. I mean, I look at a guy like Brother Yoon popped into my head. That guy's had it rough, way worse than I'll ever experience, just because of the freedoms we're afforded here in this country. I mean, be a house leader in China. Good luck with that. That's a rough, that's a rough road to haul. And God's still God to him. I mean, his experience is God is more God now than ever. And 
I mean, my challenge every day is to get up and live a life of integrity. Like, I'm a mechanic, and I fix things, and I look at my bolt bin. Are they all in there? Like, those, those are, that's a little, in, like, bit of integrity, but am I doing my job faithfully? Am I living my life of faith faithfully? You know, I just, I, I want to be able to stand up here and, and be that guy of integrity and not to have miscalculations in my life and, and shortcomings. And, I mean, the only way we're going to get through that is through God's grace. So, ask yourself when you're faced with a hardship, is God still God? Does he still love you? Did Jesus still hang on a cross for you, even though it's hard right now? Cling to him. All right, close us out here. Lord, give us the strength to deal with what we have on our plate today. And as Gary said, what's coming in the mail. We ask you to strengthen us and to instill us that no matter what we're facing, you are still God. You're still there for us, and you'll still carry us through. In Jesus' name, amen.